Welcome back to Living Lean. This is your host, as always, Jeremiah Bear. Today, we're talking about reverse dieting, which is really a rather controversial topic in the fitness space. Do you need to reverse diet to speed up your metabolism post-diet? Is failure to reverse diet really the reason that so many people can't seem to lose weight on low calories? Or what's going on here? Now, I will give you my take on reverse dieting what the science seemed to show, and also the approach I take with my clients coming out of a diet, as well as clients that come to me and they can't seem to lose weight and they're already eating what seems to be very low calories. Now, before we get into the show, I just want to say if you're someone that enjoys the show, if you take value from the show, do me a huge favor. Take a screenshot of this, post this on your IG story, and tag me. One, that allows me to connect with you and share it, but that also really allows me to grow the reach of the show and help me help more people just like you who are looking to get leaner, stronger, and more confident. All right, that said, let's go ahead and get into reverse dieting. So you've probably heard different claims like reverse dieting supercharges your metabolism, you can lose, maintain, and gain on super high calories after reverse dieting. Or if you or one of your clients can't lose fat on low calories, they probably need to reverse diet. (laughs) Or you need to reverse diet after weight loss to prevent gaining the weight back. Or even my client increased their calories and got ripped reverse dieting. Here's their before and after picture. So tons of claims are thrown around about reverse dieting, but are they really true? And do you really need to reverse diet? That's really what we're gonna get into in this um, podcast, but first we need to really define what reverse dieting is. So reverse dieting is a very common practice in the fitness and bodybuilding worlds. And generally the reverse dieting process looks something like post diet, you very slowly increase calories, usually by somewhere like 50 to 100 every one to two weeks until we reach your caloric maintenance or even a slight surplus depending on your goals. And the thinking here is, by slowly increasing calories, you give your metabolism time to speed up to match the small increases. Not only does this keep your fat gain to a minimum, but it also builds up your metabolism, sort of like um, gradually increasing weights in the gym makes you stronger. So almost like progressive overload for your metabolism, which allows you to maintain and lose on more calories in the future, which sounds great, but unfortunately that's not really how metabolism works. So. We also need to gain an understanding of metabolism to really understand why this thinking is kind of flawed. So metabolism really to most people seems like a very mysterious, like almost some force, like literally the force from Star Wars that is just like somehow out to get you and make you gain fat. But really that's not the case. Metabolism is really just the sum of all the stuff your body does to burn calories, which we can divide into four pieces. We have one, your basal metabolic rate, or BMR. This is just the calories you burn in your basal processes to stay alive. So things like your heart pumping, breathing, etc. So even if you spent the whole day just lying in bed, your BMR wouldn't change. Your BMR accounts for about 60 to 70% of your daily calories burned. We have the thermic effect of food. It does take calories for your body to digest food that you eat, and thermic effect also varies depending on the food you eat. So protein has the highest thermic effect coming in at about 20 to 35% of the calories you intake via protein being burned, 
Carbs come in 5 to 15%, and fats are about 0 to 5%. Now, your thermic effect of food accounts for approximately 10% of your daily calories burned. Obviously, this varies depending on the macros you eat. So if you're eating like more protein, higher carb, and very low fat, thermic effect will be slightly higher. But in general, we can say it accounts for approximately 10% of your daily calories burned. We have the thermic effect of exercise, which is the calories you burn. Exercising, obviously. And this accounts for approximately 5% of daily calories burned. And then finally, we have non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is just, or NEAT, as it's better known, which is just the calories burned through movement outside of exercise. So things like fidgeting, walking around the house, even blinking, weird stuff like that, it accounts for 15 to 25% of daily calories burned, but varies drastically person to person. Like, I'm a great example of this. I have a very high level of need. I fidget a lot, which is why there's always so much background noise on my mic during this podcast, but I promise I'm working on it. So, next, we get into adaptive thermogenesis. So, now that you understand the basics of your metabolism, we need to talk about how this changes. As you get leaner on a diet, your metabolism does decrease because one, your body is smaller. So your basal metabolic rate is smaller. It takes fewer calories to just support the basal processes of your body. You're eating less food, so the thermic effect of food also decreases. The thermic effect of exercise decreases because it takes fewer calories to move a smaller body. And your NEAT, non-exercise activity decrease, generally decreases because you feel lethargic due to the lack of calories. So I always have my clients set a step goal when we're dieting to make sure that the drop off in knee isn't too drastic, but I can't realistically say, all right, I want you to also make sure that you blink 2,500 times a day and we're going to throw that in your tracker and make sure you do it, right? Like that's not reasonable. And no matter what, there will be some drop off in knee, but we can control for steps and levels of the hormone leptin also decrease. This leads to an increase in hunger, which just increases the odds of she'll overeat and another subconscious decrease in energy expenditure. So the decrease in leptin and the decrease in NEAT are kind of tied together. And all of this is known as adaptive thermogenesis. Now, as you eat more and gain more fat, the opposite happens. Your metabolism essentially decreases because your BMR increases as you're heavier. You eat more food, so thermic effect of food increases. Thermic effect of exercise increases because one, you generally have more energy to train harder more intensely therefore burning more calories and your body is bigger if you're gaining muscle and or fat so you're burning more calories moving a larger body and neat generally also increases so we have to oh and also leptin is going to increase as well hunger is going to decrease we're just naturally expending more energy so we have to understand that your metabolism isn't some invisible force that's really screwing over your fat loss efforts it's also not something we can just ramp up indefinitely with reverse dieting. It's really mostly just a product of your current body size, your food intake, and your daily movement. So I want to work through some reverse dieting misconceptions because now that you have a solid understanding of metabolism and how we burn calories, we need to really separate like what's realistic to expect here versus what isn't. So the first misconception you'll often hear is that reverse dieting supercharges your metabolism and allows you to diet or maintain on higher calories in the future. Now, I somewhat just addressed this a bit early, but we know that to eat more calories, 
than you could before and maintain your weight, you must therefore be burning more calories than you were before. And you now know that the four ways your body can burn calories, aka your metabolism, are through your basal metabolic rate, the thermic effect of food, the thermic effect of exercise, and non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So being able to eat more and maintain requires an increase in one or more of these factors. So when we talk about your basal metabolic rate, we're just going to work through these one by one. Again, typically this is higher the larger you are. And we can really only increase this by gaining weight, which means either one, adding fat, or two, adding muscle, unless you want to somehow have like some extra organs or bones added to your body. Now, adding fat will speed up your metabolism, but remember the goal of a reverse diet is to supposedly keep you shredded and avoid fat gain. Adding muscle mass is part of why people's metabolisms can increase slightly over time. And muscle is a metabolically active tissue, which just means that adding extra muscle will increase the calories you burn at rest. It'll slightly increase your BMR, but it's not a huge difference. I think it's about, you burn an extra six calories per day with each additional pound of muscle you gain. So most of the metabolism boosting benefits of adding muscle come from the fact that you're moving a heavier body and therefore burn more calories. Next, we have the thermic effect of food. So calories burned during digestion do increase as you eat more, but remember, it's only a percentage, a relatively small percentage of the total calories you eat in a meal. So if we're trying to increase our metabolism just by increasing the thermic effect of food, that doesn't really make sense. Like if we're trying to eat more calories just to take advantage of the thermic effect of food, and that's burning about 20% of the total calories that we're eating, we're still taking in many more calories that we're not burning off during digestion. Now, increasing the percentage of calories consumed from protein is a smart strategy to increase the thermic effect of food, and it does even seem that protein is harder for your body to store as fat. There have been a couple studies that have been done on that where they actually ate, I think it was like 492 calories more than the control group and gained less fat. Super interesting. But to avoid digestion issues and to make sure you're eating enough fat to stay healthy, and for most of us who also prefer carbs, a diet of strictly protein isn't going to be realistic. I found it anecdotally, most clients tap out somewhere between 1.2 grams and 1.5 grams of protein per pound of body weight. For most of my clients, we never set it higher than like 1.2 grams per pound of body weight. Just because past that, most people seem to get digestion issues and just get sick of eating protein. Next, we have the thermic effect of exercise. So when you eat more, you can both train more because one, eating more calories to an extent means you'll have better recovery. And therefore, you have the ability to train more frequently without overdoing it, without smashing yourself, without feeling like shit. You can also generally train more intensely because more energy or calories coming in also typically increases our ability to output energy. Again, this is just to a certain extent. Now, both of these factors mean that eating more usually does lead to more calories burned through training. That said, the increase in calories burned here won't be massive enough to skyrocket your metabolism. And you have to remember, we are already eating more calories in the first place to create these effects. Next, we have non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So people's need varies a lot with how it responds to increases and decreases in calories. And I've talked about this quite extensively, how we can really split people up into basically, or we can split people's metabolisms up into basically two different categories. So one, we have 
adaptive metabolisms. For these people, when you eat more, your body, body automatically increases need to compensate. So we're doing things like subconsciously fidgeting, we're blinking, we're pacing more. Their body really adapts to higher calorie intake by increasing calories burned through movement. So their weight stays the same even with calorie increases. And people like this can typically maintain a relatively high calorie intake, but the reduction in need when they decrease calories also means they generally have to lose they have to drop calories lower than you would expect to lose fat. So a great example of this, one of my clients, Trina, because I know she listens to the podcast. Shout out Trina, she's crushing it. She is in a lean gain phase right now. And we have had to ramp calories up a lot higher than I expected. She's eating damn near as many calories as I am, but I believe I weigh almost 70 pounds more than her. It's, <laughs> it's very impressive. She's crushing it. But she has a very adaptive metabolism. On the other hand, we have people with quote unquote rigid metabolisms. These people see very little or no increase in need as a response to overeating. Thus, fat gain is a bit easier. But on the bright side, these people usually don't have to decrease calories as much to lose fat because calories burned through meat don't decrease as much as, as it would for someone with an adaptive metabolism. For example, I am a very good example of this. Like for me, when I get ready for my photo shoots, for my first photo shoot, I never had to drop my calories below 2,500 calories. That said, if I eat over 3,100 calories, I will very consistently gain one to two pounds a week. It's almost a ridiculously small range, but not a very adaptive metabolism. So unfortunately, there's nothing here we can supercharge by reverse dieting. If you want to be able to eat more and maintain your weight, you can either A, move more, or B, increase your body size. Now, our next misconception is that your metabolism is hella slow after a diet, and reversing is the only way to prevent regaining the fat. And you hear these horror stories all the time about people getting super lean and then regaining the fat overnight. And reverse dieting is generally what's pitched as a solution to this. So what's going on here? Well, the reality is after a long fat loss phase, your body is primed for fat gain. As we lose weight, our fat cells shrink, smaller fat cells produce less leptin, which leads to an increased appetite like we've talked about because the hunger hormone increases as leptin decreases, they have kind of an inverse relationship. And we also tend to decrease energy expenditure as leptin levels drop. Post weight loss, your body really wants to restore its previous weight, you could say. And you experience this want as an excessive hunger signal and low energy. And this combo really just makes eating excess calories hard to avoid. Now, this also depends on the fact, or this really depends on how lean you got, how much weight you lost. If you were just kind of trying to diet, but we never, or you never made too much progress, you never lost a lot of fat, this probably won't be near as much of an issue. If you're somebody that went from 25% body fat to 8% body fat, you will feel this big time. Now, this combo really makes eating excess calories hard to avoid if you enter the post-diet phase without a plan. The weight regain will be preferentially stored as body fat at the start because your body does want to increase fat to get back to a level where it feels healthier and get back to its old homeostasis. So basically the fact that you're really damn hungry, you're moving less, and you're burning fewer calories with a now smaller body create a situation where rapid weight gain is more likely if you don't have a post-diet plan. So 
none of this is to say that having a strategy post diet isn't important because it's incredibly important and it's a huge part of why my clients get such sustainable results. It just doesn't have to follow the traditional reverse dieting model. So yes, while your metabolism does adapt and downregulate to match your body size, it is not quote unquote broken or damaged. And the myth of metabolic ad- or metabo- metabolic damage has been very thoroughly dispelled already. And you'll also often hear people say something like, but I'm only eating 900 calories and still can't lose fat. And this is a big driver of the popularity behind reverse dieting, actually. And I know I've been at the start of my coaching career there with both myself and my clients. We were both seemingly eating very low calories, but not losing. Now, the truth is what I came to find, because I remember when I started coaching, everybody was coming to me, yo, I'm only eating 800 calories a day and I can't lose fat. What is going on? I was like, shit, everybody needs a reverse diet. This is crazy. Every single person that comes to me has a broken metabolism. Now, as I found, (laughs) that wasn't the case. And same thing with myself. The reality is we're usually just not good at tracking calories all that accurately. In fact, the 2002 study showed that even registered dietitians underestimate the calorie intake by 223 calories per day, which equates to something like a lot of math, but 1,400 something calories per week, something close to that. And in coaching anecdote, I had a client start a couple months ago and she was having a similar issue to this. She started coaching and said, hey, I'm only eating 800 calories per day and I still can't lose fat. And right out of the gate, I said, all right, we are actually going to increase your calories pretty drastically, well over a thousand calories. And since then, she has lost, what is she at? I believe 12 pounds. Now, was it the actual calorie increase that caused her to lose weight? No, it was not. So this client works around food all day. And she was forgetting to track the little bites and nibbles that she took across the course of the day. And that ended up equating to over 500 calories per day extra. Plus, we found that a higher calorie plan was easier for her to stick to more consistently. So we now like made her make her weekends work, which again is why I generally recommend a more moderate approach to dieting. It just seems to work better for most general population clients. But... The point is, once I started teaching my clients how to increase their measurement accuracy, I've really completely stopped running into these cases where people, quote unquote, can't lose on low calories. Now, if you're a coach, and I talked about this in the last episode also, another situation where this often happens is like three to four days through the week, people eat try to eat very low calories, and then over the weekends, they'll tend to blow it out. Or or maybe take like one to two days off over the course of the week, but every time they do track, they're eating super low, not realizing that on those one to two days off, they're still eating a ton of calories, which is basically causing them to just maintain where they're at. And finally, eating low calories does also increase your cortisol levels, which often causes water retention, and this can lead to stalls in the scale. So when a client finishes a diet, If they have had some water retention, often adding in more calories can actually cause this water to drop. This is what we call the whoosh effect. And sometimes if a client is stalled, like I know they're in a big deficit, we know they're losing fat, but they just can't get that to drop. We'll actually refeed them on carbs for one to two days. Just bring them back to maintenance for one to two days and we'll see that water drop. It's pretty cool to see, but 
that's another reason why weight cannot change but it is not because these people are broken it's not because you're broken generally again it's just really look at okay where can i get more accurate where can i get more consistent what else could be affecting this and generally you'll be able to find the solution all right misconception number three lots of people get super lean on reverse diets and you've probably seen this on instagram coaches bragging about how their client got quote unquote shredded while increasing calories now what's often happening here is simply the effect of actually having a coach for the first time and really these people likely aren't eating more calories than they were before but rather have one improve their measurement accuracy two improve their food quality and three are eating macro ratios that align with their goals now plus they're now following smart well-structured training programs and this is something that i see all the time with new clients again we can cite that example i just talked about above but it's not actually caused by the fact that people are eating way more calories than they were before so really instead of saying thanks to this reverse diet my client is now eating 500 calories more per day and is ripped we could say hey like this client we got her to measure her food super accurately and she realized she was eating more than she thought she's also following a smart training program now and is way more consistent with both training and nutrition all this added up to a pretty big body composition change so really again like that client was likely eating when you see this when you see people's bodies just completely change they have more muscle less fat it's not the product of reverse diet it's a product of getting all these factors dialed in and again if they've lost a lot of fat they likely ate fewer calories than they were before it's just that the increased measurement accuracy made it seem like they weren't so on top of all of this like with my coaching clients one of our major focuses when you start coaching is on choosing foods that keep you full longer this reduces cravings and really makes eating fewer calories feel like more than before now can you lose fat on reverse dieting absolutely if you're increasing calories but you're still eating fewer calories than you're burning you'll keep losing fat but again it's not magic so if you're increasing calories but you're still in a deficit you lose fat slower than you were before but you will still be losing fat now sometimes over a reverse diet people will see quicker weight loss despite being in a smaller calorie deficit this is because like we talked about dieting leads to higher cortisol levels and water retention a lot of time weight can literally be stuck for weeks even though we know a client is in a calorie deficit due to the amount of water they're retaining and like we talked about before we can create a whoosh effect by increasing calories specifically by increasing carbs so i think that pretty thoroughly dispel dispels a lot of misbeliefs a lot of misconceptions around reverse dieting now i want to get into the approach i take with my clients which is a bit different so the mistake a lot of people make is trying to reverse way too slow and stay super lean after a cut what ends up happening is you spend months extra in a calorie deficit which usually correlates to feeling and training like shit this leads to months of wasted time that could have been productive training and making progress in the gym the reality is we all have a certain body fat percentage we need to be at to feel good train hard and actually allow our body to prioritize building muscle no matter reverse dieting it doesn't matter how many calories you're eating if you're sitting below that point that body fat point you still won't be able to effectively build muscle feel good or have healthy hormones because your body fat is simply 
too low. A large part of our hormones come from the amount of body fat that we have on our body. So basically being a bit more aggressive coming out of a diet to a degree makes sense. When reverse dieting, we need to consider the desired outcome, which is to get your hormones and training back to a good place, right? The problem is if we're, we're just reversing you out of a diet super slowly, you're still in a deficit for another six to 12 weeks. That means another six to 12 weeks where hormones and trainings are shit until we eventually reach maintenance and then your body can really start to recover, which begs the question, if the goal of the reverse diet is to recover, why not just take you to your new and lower maintenance? This is important because your maintenance will be lower post-diet than it was pre-diet quicker. So unless your goal is simply to maintain, I say the sooner you can get back to productive training, the sooner we can get back to building the physique you want long-term. Because spending actual time eating more food and building muscle is the best way to increase your metabolism like we talked about and make getting lean easier in the future. Next time you get lean, you'll have more muscle mass. So even if you don't lose fat, by increasing muscle mass, you actually decrease your overall body fat percentage, which will make looking lean easier. And really, if you follow a smart lean gains approach, like my clients do, you won't gain a lot of excess fat. So again, this is really context dependent, dependent on how lean you got. So but I mean, generally, regardless, it just makes sense to jump to right below maintenance. But we need to like, it, this is especially geared towards people that have gotten super lean. So say you just got ready. say you just did a photo shoot. This is especially true more so than if you just got quote unquote lifestyle lean. But even if you are someone that wants to maintain here, reverse dieting slowly isn't necessary. It's not going to do anything for you unless you just feel like you need more structure. So really, I see reverse dieting as more of a mechanism to get client buy-in and prevent binging. We know that left to our own devices, our bodies and our brains are gonna push us to eat a lot over maintenance, which also isn't ideal. So for most clients, our goal is to get you to your new maintenance as quickly as possible without overshooting and gaining excess fat. Now again, remember that your new maintenance, because you have a smaller body, because you're moving less, is gonna be lower, because you're eating less food, is gonna be lower than it was at the start of the diet, especially if you lost a lot of weight. So generally, I like to increase clients to about 90% of their estimated new maintenance calorie intake for their new and smaller body. From here, we watch body measurements, biofeedback, and adherence to keep and keep adding in calories in smaller increments until we find the intake that said client seems to maintain at. Now, I like to start at 90% of estimated maintenance because we also don't want to overshoot maintenance and see our clients gaining fat right out of the gate. So this is just kind of playing it on the safe side, but this is still a relatively large jump up from their deficit calories. Now, from there, the intake that this client maintains at is really kind of a moving target because again as adaptive thermogenesis takes place we will see increases in NEAT they'll be eating more food be training more intensely gaining muscle gaining weight through glycogen and extra gut gut content so from maintenance once you find maintenance that's really more where this process of like 50 to 100 calorie increases makes more sense because again, like we'll see, okay, like maybe you walked a thousand extra calories or 2000 extra steps 
per day this week on average just by this increase in need that you saw through adaptive thermogenesis. So, okay, it makes sense for us to like add 100 calories per day to your nutrition or 50 calories per day to your nutrition plan. And that's like past maintenance. When that does become a moving target, that's where these like small increases make sense. But going from the deficit to maintenance, they don't seem to make as much sense. So <laughs> reverse dieting 101, there you have it. That is my thoughts. If you have any questions on any of this, because I know this is a more complex topic, this is a more controversial topic, feel free to shoot me an email, jeremiah at barefit.com, or shoot me a DM on Instagram at Jeremiah Bear. I'm super happy to help however I can. That said, that's all I have for you today. Thank you for tuning in.